Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Uh, my name is Michael Bath. If you haven't been here before, this is Owner Stories. Owner Stories episode of the Porsche Cool Podcast. Owner Stories is where I connect, where I chat with other Porsche enthusiasts, other Porsche owners around the world. They might have a Cayman, they might have a Boxster, they might have a 911, they might have multiple Porsches in their garages or even own multiple Porsches over the uh, over the previous years. So this is this is all about you guys. This is all about your story. Um, this is where I get to uh, I get to learn more about uh, different Porsche models. Actually, I kind of like it because I don't know everything. Um, I know some of you guys think that I I have all this knowledge. I actually don't know everything. Uh, I don't know that much at all, really. Um, but I'm learning along the way, and I enjoy it. It's enthusiasm. It's it's the community, and uh, I really like this part of the. Uh, I really do like this part of the podcast. Of course, you guys who have been here before know the other part of the podcast is Fridays with Steve. Uh, Fridays with Steve is where Steve is my mate in Sydney, owns a 997 GT3, and we just chat about all things Porsche. Um, sometimes we ramble, but we ramble in the Porsche way. Anyway, today we have another good one coming up for you. Uh, I'm going to have Josh uh, connect with me very shortly by Zoom. Josh is coming in from the US. He's in uh, Seattle, I believe. Uh, Josh has owned couple of Porsches. Um, Josh and I have been trying to uh, hook up and, and organize this uh, this owner story for some time. I did cancel on Josh, I think, in uh, Bahrain when I was in Bahrain. But we've managed to organize it. We've managed to schedule a time. So Josh is going to join me shortly. Um, as I always say, if you want to be on the owner stories, I eventually get all uh, through all the messages that come to me. But if you want to be on owner stories, just send me a DM uh, through Porsche Cooled. Porsche Cooled is the Instagram of the podcast, the Instagram of Porsche Cooled. Uh, also, give us a follow if you haven't already. Um, just send me a DM on Porsche Cooled and tell me that you'd like to be on owner stories. Just let me know what car you've had or what cars you've had in the past. Um, and then we'll take it from there. It takes me a few weeks to get you scheduled. Um, but eventually I will get you a slot and we'll start talking uh, on the podcast. Okay, that's enough for now. Let me get Josh, uh, let me get Zoom turned on, let me get Josh on the line and let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to Owner Stories. I didn't say in the in the intro actually, this is number 60. Um, and as I mentioned before, today I'm going to be joined by Josh and Josh is here now and Josh is coming in from... Seattle in the US. It's it's early in the morning there in Seattle. It's a bit later in the evening here in London. Good morning, Josh. How are you? Good morning. Uh, I'm good. How are you today? I'm really well. I'm really well. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. I just said to the listeners before we uh, before I got you on, I've kind of cancelled on you a couple of times. We've kind of been going around and around in circles to uh, to get you on owner stories. Um, it's good that you're actually here now, so we can have a good chat about your uh, your Porsche journey because you've owned a couple of Porsches, which we'll get into. Let's just get straight into it, though, Josh. Let's just get straight into the into the podcast because I think we have quite a lot to, to chat about. Sure. I always like to start the podcast where it all began. You know what I mean? Like where your first memories of of Porsche began, and if there are any first memories. Sometimes you know it happens later in life. It doesn't happen so earlier in life. Was there a time in your life where you started noticing Porsche? Like when you were a kid, um, was your dad into them? You know, did you have an uncle that drove a Porsche? How did it all sort of start for you? When did you first started uh, start noticing Porsche? Yeah, so um, when I was a kid, I don't remember the exact day um, when, when my old man brought it home, but uh, one day he brought home a Guards Red uh, 86 930 Turbo uh, with black leather interior and Fuchs wheels with color-matched uh, 
Fuchs wheels. And, uh, I, again, I don't remember the day he, he brought it home, but I remember my first ride in that car and it was, you know, the first time I felt, uh, what a fast car was. And it was, uh, you know, just a, a really kind of visceral and different experience from, you know, the cars at the time, you know, in the, the late nineties. So he bought that car. That was a car that he bought. Yeah. And so he, he had, uh, you know, that, that car dread 930 turbo for about maybe like 10 years. Um, and it started as just like a street car. Um, and then, you know, as I'm sure, you know, people start tracking their Porsches and they're 911s and he slowly, uh, made it into, you know, a track car and it was just like a, a monster. And it, it, you know, it, I'm sure it sounds kind of crazy or funny today to talk about like making a 930 turbo into a track monster. Cause the values of them have gone to exactly. the roof and no, no one's doing <laughs> that anymore. Uh, but this is at the time when, you know, gas was cheap and old Porsches, nobody wanted them. And this thing yeah. got like eight miles per gallon at the time. It was like right before, you know, gas prices in the U S went, went through the roof. So he, he got it for like, I think at the time, like 30 grand, wow. um, which yeah, crazy. And he ended up selling it like, you know, for about that much a couple years later. The funny thing Sorry, my dog is barking at the Amazon delivery guy. Um, but uh, yeah, had he held on to the car for like you know a couple more years, he uh, he could pay for my college tuition with it. But I guess that's the I guess that's the good side of it, right? Because there was, like you said, there was a time where people didn't really want Porsches because of the because of the the fuel economy. Uh, there was a period there, I'm sure, where people didn't really want turbos either. There was that sort yep. of anti-turbo thing that happened, you know. But also yep. the fact that you, you know you you. As a kid, your dad had this car. I'm guessing you were reasonably still quite young. Your dad had this car, and he's experienced it to the fullest, right? Which, you, which I think you pinpointed it, you know, very clearly. Like now, today, people aren't getting that enjoyment out of their car because they're so worried yep. about the value of it. They yep. because either they bought it really cheap and now it's worth so much, or they bought in so high that they just they're just too scared to to do those yep. sort of things to it. Um, so he made it into a fully a fully fledged sort of track car, did he? Yeah. And it, you know, it's funny, um, just again, thinking about, uh, this time period now, um, I remember going to like track days with him as a kid, you know, Porsche club events and yeah. seeing people, you know, this was at the time when a 996 was a brand new car and he was racing alongside, you know, career GTs on the track, wow. which again, t- yeah, again, today, like thinking about <laughs> yeah. like a 930 turbo on a track with a career GT racing very casually in a Porsche club, just like, what? That's crazy. Yeah, that's something you want to see. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was a, it was a loud track that day. Okay, so your dad had. How long did your dad have the the nine thirty turbo for? Quite a, quite a while. Uh, yeah, I think he had it for like maybe ten years. He he again he he bought it and sold it. I guess either just right or just wrong, depending on who you ask. But he he bought it like at the bottom of the market and sold it not shortly thereafter. Um, and seriously, I think like a year or two after he sold it that's when the values went crazy. Really? Um, really? Which, you know, I, and no regret on, on, on his side of things, you know, and I, I guess I should give some more context there. You know, he, he sold it, uh, I think shortly after or before my 16th birthday, which in the U S is when you get your learner's permit. Yeah. And he's, he said to me, it was like, either, uh, I sell the car and get rid of it and get money for it, or I keep the car and I'm going to have to pull you out of the <laughs> car, uh, wrapped around a tree and right. I don't do that. So and, that was the reason. You know, so he didn't Probably. buy. So there's no other Porsche. He didn't buy another Porsche after that. He didn't buy something no. not as powerful. No. So um, again, that was like you know, kind of right before the recession. So I think uh, he was kind of being more more responsible after that for for a little bit. Um, but 
Um, yeah, no, no Porsches after that. I think, I don't remember. I think there was like not a fun car in, in our household after that for a while, um, except for like the daily car that yeah. uh, I got to share with him when, when I got my license, which was uh, a Mini Cooper S. Uh, the, the, the agreement was uh, I could drive it to high school you know, uh, my senior year, if I dropped him off at the train station, cause he, he commuted to, to New York city. And, uh, it was, it was a great trade-off cause that was, that was a really fun car and a great, like first car for a car enthusiast. Cause you can have tons of fun and it was a manual and you know, you're not really going to get yourself into too much trouble, uh, in that car, but you can still have tons of fun. Yeah. They're fun cars, aren't they? Little go-karts basically, especially in yeah. the manual are even better. And the S you got the Cooper S as well. So it's even better. Yep. Yeah. It was a ton of fun. So you've had okay. So you, you've had that experience of your dad owning the nine thirty turbo. You've got a you, Mini Cooper S, which your dad let you drive to school. What happens? What what happens next in your car journey? What's the next? What's another memorable car that you've owned before you got into the into your port into your first Porsche? So yeah, the, the the car that I had you know before my first Porsche was a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and I was, I was living in Los Angeles at the time. Um, you know when. when uh, I, I had that car for, the, for most of its life. Um, I had it since college, so before I was living in LA. But most of that car's life was was living in Los Angeles and you know off roading it in the desert and taking it on ski trips and just beating the living hell out of it. And you know uh, couldn't really at the time because I was right out of college, couldn't afford to to get anything uh, you know more exciting or, or nicer. Um, and uh, I, I ended up having to move back to New York for for work for a bit and got rid of it. Um, and was colorless for, you know, I guess a period of like two or three years. And then the opportunity came for me to move back to Los Angeles. And, you know, I kind of knew at that point, I was like, I want a 911, uh, or a Porsche. Like that's the car that I want. Uh, and I'm, I have to make that happen because you know, nothing else at, at will, uh, you know, scratch that itch or, or really, you know, satisfy. Yeah. And, um, so I'm looking for, for months and months and months and looking for like the cheapest boxer, the cheapest 996, the cheapest Cayenne, just anything that I can afford and uh, looking for months at this point. And the first car that I ended up test driving was, uh, it was an 04 or an 03 boxer S, okay. um, you know, and ton of fun. When, when it was a private sale, um, saw the car, it was in like, okay condition, silver over black, um, you know, but I got in it and could tell it wasn't really sorted. Like the clutch wasn't, it didn't feel right. Um, the steering needed, you know, an alignment and could just tell that, you know, the guy was not a Porsche guy. He just bought it cause his friend was selling it. Didn't take care of it. It was just right. not well sorted, but still a ton of fun. Like the exhaust and the boxer S's, you know, uh, just sound awesome in, in those 986 cars. Um, so test drove that wasn't for me. And, uh, 996s at that point were like, I don't know, 15 ish. It was like, you know, at the bottom of the market. And yeah. that was kind of more than I wanted to spend. I was like, you know what, if I get a 996 or I get a boxer, like it's, you know, I can't take it on ski trips. I can't take it, you know, off-roading. Yeah. Like, you know, I like to do then. And, uh, I was like, why don't I look for a Cayenne? They're so cheap. Like maybe they're more reliable than, you know, one would think. And, uh, you know, knowing that, you know, knowing about the Trans-Siberia cars, I was like, you know, maybe, the, maybe they're really awesome and, and can, can kind of be perfect for me. And, you know, at the time, I think, uh, you could get like a base, um, you know, first gen Cayenne for like seriously, like two or three grand us, like, which is they, crazy. They were, they were crazy. like free. I mean, like, yeah, dealers were like buying them up and, you know, using them as like their workhorses and then just like trashing them. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think you've been pretty sensible because like you said, you had the Jeep, you had the Cherokee, 
right. and you, you drove it to death, right? You enjoyed it. You know, you're, you're outdoors, you're doing stuff. You know, so when you look at boxes and you look at 911s, it is limited, right? It's limited for your lifestyle. And you really do want to get a car that fits your lifestyle. And you can get yeah. other Porsches that fit your lifestyle. And there's nothing wrong with a Cayenne. And you and I were just talking before we come online about this, this whole trend that's just exploding. It really is exploding, this, this um, off, overland and off-roading trend. So at the time, when, when were you looking for the Cayenne? What year was that? How long ago? Uh, so this was like 2018, like early, mid-2018. Um, and you know, it, it was, it wasn't even like just looking for a Cayenne. It was like either 996 box or Cayenne kind of the, whichever one of those cars found me first, like wh- whichever car was right and, and, and ended up finding me, that's the one I was going to find. Right. And the boxer didn't work out. Um, 996s were more than I wanted to spend. And you know, I was like, all right, Cayennes. So I'm, I'm, I test drove one. It was like two hours outside of LA and like the desert and it wasn't sorted. The guy wanted too much for it. It had like a hundred thousand miles. He was asking like 17,000 for it. That's wow. Okay. No, it was a turbo. Uh, and I, I, one of the things that that tester told me though, was like, wow, the turbo, the Cayenne turbo is awesome. It's got heaps of power. It yep. sounds amazing. Um, the air suspension is, is a cool party trick. Um, and you know, could be good for off-roading or so I thought we'll get to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I was like sold on the Cayenne. Uh, I found another one um, closer to Los Angeles. Uh, it was like a used car lot. And the guy had mostly like 10-year-old Camrys and like Honda Accords. And right. just had this one 04 Cayenne Turbo uh, with 157,000 miles. Wow. Uh, but it looked a lot. in, it is, but it looked in immaculate condition. The paint was immaculate. The interior, I swear to you, it looked like it was right out of a lease. Like it had 40,000 miles on it. Uh, the headliner was not sagging, uh, and it looked like there was nothing wrong. And uh, I, I, I drove. Or sorry, go ahead. Let me just ask you though: with how do you how do you go about buying this Cayenne? Because you're talking about 2018, right? And sure. there's a lot. Cayennes have a lot of known problems, and I don't know what they all are, Josh. You know what I mean? The 955 mm. is it? The 955 and the 957 is it? Is that the numbers? I can't even remember the numbers. But yep. they have a lot of issues with them. Did you, were you aware of those issues when you were looking for the Cayenne or you, you found out about these issues once you bought it? Things that needed so, to be looked at, things that needed to be fixed. I, I, I scoured the forums and, and read about every issue under the sun. Okay. Um, and, you know, none of it really scared me. I mean, and, and maybe I'm wrong and I, I don't know all of the issues and there's more than, than I'm aware of. And right. uh, I, I might be leading your, your listeners astray. <laughs> but uh, as, as far as I know... In uh, the 04 Cayenne Turbo, you know, like the 955 Cayenne Turbo, uh, yeah. it, the coolant pipes, because uh, they're plastic and need to be replaced, uh, right. which that, the car that I bought ha- had that done already. Um, the cardan shaft, which my car either didn't need or it had it replaced, I don't remember. Right. Um, and it was like a couple other little things. Um, and you might notice that I'm specifically leaving out uh, the mention of air suspension. Yes. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So you see this car, it's at the dealer in Los Angeles, right? It's a dealer that yep. has other cars. Maybe he doesn't know the true value of it. It's sitting on the lot. Exactly. It looks really good. What do you do next? So uh, I call the guy and I, I'm like, what's wrong with it? What do you know about it? You know, I ask him all the questions and I'm kind of, you know, sussing him out. And I realize it's like, okay, he, has, he doesn't sell Porsches. He doesn't sell BMWs. Like it's just a used car lot. Someone traded it in and, you know, he got it. Let me go see it. I see it, I drive it, um, and I told him, I was like, I wanted you a PPI in this car, 
tomorrow. Uh, yeah. There is a, um, you know, the day after I drove, I was like, I want to do it tomorrow. Um, there, there's a independent Porsche mechanic, like 10 minutes away, a, you know, a good one um, who I found and he, he dropped it off there. Uh, they, you know, did a full PPI, went through it. And, you know, it was like a couple of little, little things um, that, you know, anytime I buy a used car, like I expect I'm going to have to do some work, like, you know, three to five grand, give or take, yeah. um, you know, cause someone's selling the car, chances are they're not doing all the work that it needs uh, if they're selling it. So it was like that kind of stuff. It was like spark plugs, like little things, you know, and because it's a Porsche, it ended up being like, I don't know, three to, to four grand yeah. uh, for that service. Um, so PPI came back pretty clean. Um, you know, the, the mechanic was like, how much, uh, does the guy want for the car? And I told him, eh, it's listed for 7,500, but I'm hoping to steal it for like five grand. And he was like, dude, if you get that car for five grand, like if he will sell you that car for five grand, you should absolutely buy it. Like doesn't matter the mileage, like, you know, you'll put some money into it if you need to, but it, it'll be a great car for you. It's like, okay. So call the guy back and, you know, we go back and forth. Uh, on a price and we agreed, I think it was like $6,300. I couldn't get him down to a five in front of it, which I know you're shaking which is your a, head. Which is, a, which is a Kion Turbo, you know what I mean? A I Kion, know, I even know. an 04 Kion Turbo, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the price off the top of my head, but they're surely not that that price in the street, I can tell you that now, even for an 04. No. Um, no. And you've got the top of the range, you've got the great engine, um, plenty of torque, plenty of power. Um, yep. The choice of a lot of people I've noticed on the forums that I've been reading, a choice of a lot of people for the off-roading with, it's either the turbo or the diesel, but the diesel wasn't always readily available in the US, was it? But it's always the turbo and the diesel that people seem to want to want to um, pick for their for their off-roading type. Okay, yeah, so you, so, or, so what happened sorry, with the, so the PPI, nothing, so with the, you know, the air suspension, we always talk about air suspension with Porsche and we, you know, I always joke about it with Range Rovers as well, but yeah. the air suspension was... The checks they could do before you purchased it, everything was fine, right? Yeah. Okay. And let's let's talk about this because you know, as far as I know, you know, when I before I bought my my Cayenne, when I had it, uh, and even afterwards, everyone I've spoken to, every single person, the Porsche dealers, the independent Porsche mechanics, the Cayenne freaks, like everyone who knows these cars. Yeah. Uh, I asked them, and they all said the air suspension is not something you have to worry about. I've never even heard of air suspension going out on one of the early Cayennes. Like it is one of the only mid two thousands cars, you know, that has, uh, air suspension that doesn't fail. And I was like, okay, deal. Like let, let's play with the air suspension. And, you know, I had, I had that car and, you know, I ended up putting, uh, all-terrain tires on it, the same size and tires that, uh, Joey Seeley uses uh, on his cars. Cause I had, I had the 18 inch wheels. Uh, and, uh, I kind of was beating the hell out of the car and it just took, and, you know, everything I threw at it, it just took in stride. Uh, we would go on ski trips and go off-roading in the snow, and it was amazing. We would go on the desert, like desert running. It was amazing. And then, you know, you so let me, stop, let me just stop you for a second before we get into that. So how was it compared yeah, sure. to, your, to your Cherokee? Because you had the Jeep, and you enjoyed the Jeep. And like you said, you've changed the wheels. You put 8-inch yeah. wheels, so you would have put what, – what size wheels did you put really cool tires on it, did you? What are the tires, the – are they the Nitto ones? Are they the Falcon ones? Which sort of tires did you put on them? So on the Cayenne, I had uh, the Falcon. I think it's like the AT3Ws or whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. And they, they were really good. I, I love those tires. Um, you know, they weren't noisy. And I mean, seriously, like I put that car and those tires through the, through the paces and they did really well. You know, I was never scared driving it. Was it more fun than the Jeep? 
Oh my God. Yeah. So the, the Jeep that I have is a six cylinder and anyone who's listening, who, who, yeah, you're already laughing. So anyone who, who knows, uh, you know, like the 2000 yeah. era, uh, Jeep Cher- Grand Cherokees. Yes. Um, oh my God. That six cylinder engine is just a dog. Um, it is so, so slow. Yeah. Um, and the, the Cayenne was quite the opposite. Okay. So this is, this is your first Porsche. You know what I mean? You had memories of the turbo with, when you, with your dad. Was it, was it the right way to go when you, Buying this Cayenne, was it the right way to go for your first Porsche? Did you have regrets that you should have got a Boxster or you should have got a 996 or you were happy with it? Um, while I owned it, I, I was super happy with it. And even, uh, you know, after I owned it, like even today, like it was probably, you know, one of the best cars I've ever had. It was, you know, so much fun and, you know, super luxurious on the inside. Like even those old interiors today, they, they kind of hold up better than, you know, I think most people would assume. Um, just really comfortable and, and an awesome car. Um, I, I like how it looks. Too. I, I do too. The, you know, people hate on the first gen, yeah, uh, the first gen one, but I actually, I really like it, especially the turbo with those big grills. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I haven't really like them, but, uh, you know, I kind of like everything that Porsche designs for the most part. So, okay. Uh, so you, you've added the, you've left the stock wheels on, right? You've added different tires. Did you do any other mods to the, to the Cayenne before you took it sort of on your adventures off road? Anything else no, you needed to? The, the only thing I did was put one of those, uh, you know, Renline magnetic phone mounts in it. Okay. Um, it did, yeah. I, I wanted to to take off the exhaust and just straight pipe it, you know, like that that suitcase exhaust that sits on, on, on the rear of the car. Yeah. Um, but uh, I never got around to it and, uh, you know, it certainly was loud enough. All right. So you, you're going on adventures, you you know, you're going off-road. What happened to the Cayenne? Tell the listeners what actually <laughs> happened. So, uh, 4th of July, 2020, right? Yeah. 2020. Um, it's, uh, my girlfriend and I, and, and our dog that we have had for like a month and a half at this point. And we are up in like mammoth California, which, you know, for people who don't know, that's like an Eastern Sierra. So, um, you know, in the desert, but also like very much in the mountains and we're, we're driving up into the desert to go to this hot spring that, you know, we go to a million been to a million times before and it's not like intense off-roading like a super outback could make it like i've seen um you know regular sedans make it out there and uh you know i'm having fun you know in the cayenne driving a little you know having a spirited drive in the desert uh not doing anything you know i shouldn't be and um we're like about to pull up to the hot spring and all of a sudden the front end of the car starts sinking and i hear Oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, no. And we're like, and now we're in the middle of the desert, you know, probably three miles from, from the highway. And I get out of my car and I look and uh, I'll see if I can find a photo of it. Uh, and, you know, the front of the car is literally slammed to the ground. Like, you know, no gap between uh, the wheels and, and, and the front fenders. And I just like looked at my girlfriend and I was like, uh, crap, we're going to have to figure out not only how to get out of this desert, but then... Uh, to get home about, you know, five hours on the highway. And um, the amazing thing is that uh, we were able to drive out of the desert with the front end, you know, slammed to the ground. And I I don't even think I, like, you know, scraped up, uh, you know, the front bumper of the car. Um, Is there, sorry, Josh, is there something in the, you know, I talk about, we'll talk about the Porsche manual if anyone reads manuals anymore. But is there something, if the air suspension fails, is there anything you can do with the settings inside the car to so you can drive it and get it back safely or there's just nothing you can do you just have to so i i think it depends on what 
specifically what fails. What what happened to me was, uh, you know, like the on road equivalent of what happens. Like I hit a pothole way too hard. Yeah, right. that's essentially what happened. So the impact of of you know hitting that pothole off road essentially popped the airbag in the front suspension because it literally has an airbag. Right. Um, and that bag just popped. So there was, you know, there's no fixing it at that point. You just, you need a new airbag, um, which, uh, you know, let, let this be the cautionary tale for, for listeners who, you know, think that a cheap Porsche Cayenne is a great off-road vehicle. Um, to rep- <laughs> I was getting quotes from my independent mechanic at the time, uh, you know, to replace the air suspension with Porsche parts. And he was like, oh man, the parts, $8,000. Like really? that's before I, that's before I even get started, uh, and I was like, okay, <laughs> that's not worth it. So if you no, that's not worth it at all, depending on the cost of the car. But is right. there an alternative though? If if the air suspension, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but if the air suspension goes on a Cayenne, can you say switch it out with you know KWs or some other suspension brand and just not have the Porsche air suspension? Is that possible yep. or not really? Yep, totally. So there's there's three options that that I know of um, because you know I. Uh, research and exhausted, you know, I exhausted all, yeah. all the research that I, that I could do. Uh, so, um, you can either replace it with the OEM Porsche suspension. Um, there is a company that makes air suspension replacements for, you know, these cars, I forget the name of them, but they make them for like Land Rover and the Q7s and, you know, uh, that, that kind of thing. And they're, they're like half the price of, you know, the Porsche parts. Um, but at that point, it's like, you know, you're just going to have a lesser, air suspension on your car and if your goal is to off-road it then that's not a good solution in, in yep. my opinion um and then you know there's there's plenty of coilover conversions um that that i think people people can do um the one that i was looking at uh, you know again at the time this is um like you know summer 2020 uh i was looking at there was this guy out of atlanta um i know his instagram handle it's called bryson the painter um, oh yes, yeah. He's, I just followed. Yeah, I actually just followed him today. Actually, I yep. just followed him so, because he's got a good selection of Porsches on his um, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, I think he's like the the paint guy for Lee Keen's like Safari 911s. Oh, and right. he So he so he makes like these Safari Cayennes and does you know suspension conversions. So somehow I, I I found him and was like about to order the parts from him and then. Um, you know, again, this this is 2020. Everything's being shaken up, and you know, we had decided that we were going to leave Los Angeles, and my girlfriend had a, a leased car, so obviously it made sense for me to sell the Cayenne. And we were driving cross country to New York, so we didn't want two cars. And uh, it was it was a sad day that I got rid of that Cayenne because I didn't even get get her back to you know uh, sitting straight. So. In the desert, when you're trying to get out of the desert, so the car is on an angle, is it? The, the Cayenne's on an angle. It's just dropped at the front, and the, the rear suspension's yep. fine. It's just the front suspension is gone? Correct. So you look at the rear view mirror, and you're looking at the sky. But you, you could still drive it without any rubbing or without the tires, like, <laughs> getting mangled on the way back to, to recovery. Yeah, you couldn't, like, I, I wasn't able to, um, you know, lock the wheel all the way, but, you know, you could turn enough. And so what, what happened that day is, you know, we drove back to the highway, um, I tried to find, you know, I mean, this was a, such a futile effort, but I tried yeah. to find any mechanic, you know, near Mammoth, <laughs> California that like, you know, would even yeah. know what I was talking about and no one did, you know. So um, we made the decision to, to drive like four out of the five hours back to Los Angeles, like to get within like the tow range of wow. AAA and then just towed it from there. 
Um, cause the, the drive, you know, that first four hours is just like, you know, again, in the desert, kind of in the middle of nowhere, not a big deal if you're driving kind of a, a wonky car, but then the last hour being, you know, on the four or five and like on yeah. major highways, so I was like, I don't want to deal with that. So we towed it from there. Okay. So you've got, you've got your Kion, you say you're moving out of LA. Um, it's, it's broken. You don't want to fix it. How do you go about selling it? Is it easy to sell? Are there plenty of people <laughs> um, with their hands up wanting you to give you no money for it to take it off your hands? <laughs> You know, it was actually way easier to sell than I had ever thought. So I had it on Craigslist. No. Okay. What happened was uh, there was a guy literally walking down the street in Hermosa Beach in LA where we lived. And uh, our neighbor was like putting stuff out by the street because they were moving. Right. Uh, and like, you know, just giving away like free potted planters or whatever. Yeah. And I guess he, he like noticed my car and it was like, hey, like, that's a nice car. Like, I want to talk to you about it. And we started talking about it. And he has like a used car lot a half a mile down the road from our house. Uh, and he literally ended up coming back uh, two hours later with cash and gave me like, I think it was like, he paid me like three grand cash for it, which I was kind of surprised because, uh, you know, it was missing the front airbags or, or yeah. you know, had broken front airbags in the, in, in the air suspension. Uh, but yeah, he handed me three grand cash and, and drove it off like that day. It was like such a, you know, crazy thing that I never would have expected to happen. I didn't even have to put it on Craigslist. This guy just showed up and was like, Hey, I want to buy your car for three grand. It's broken. And sometimes that's the best way, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. easy. It's easy. You got half, you know, you got what half your money back. Um, the car's yeah. broken. You knew you couldn't, didn't want to pay for the money to get it fixed. So, you know, in the end, it's probably the best, best move anyway. So yeah. does that tarnish your, uh, you know, having this as your first Porsche, you know, you've got air suspension failed. Um, does that make you then think, hey, I'm, I'm going to keep away from Porsches for a, for a while or do you look for another one? No, not at all. So, um, you know, even though that happened, uh, I still love the Cayennes and, um, you know, would totally buy a, another turbo um, just, you know, with the caveat that you need five grand to do a coilover conversion, um, you know, budgeted, but, uh, no, still, still love the Cayennes. They're great cars. And, you know, still knew that in the back of my mind, you know, I always wanted a 911. And actually I, I should also give this kind of bit of context. Um, back in like 2015 or 2016, uh, when I had first moved to LA, um, I kind of like set the goal for myself. I was like, by my 30th birthday, I want to own a 911. Like that, that was the goal. Um, and so, you know, we were, we were living in LA, we, we moved out, we, I sold the Cayenne um, and we, we spent the winter uh, in, in Park City, Utah, just like COVID winter. And I, I guess more context for the listeners, you know, I, I work in film production. So uh, in November of 2020, all film production in Los Angeles and pretty much nationwide in the States shut down. So yeah. I was like, not, not going to work. Let's move to, you know, Utah for the winter, spend the winter there and, you know, see what happens in the spring. Um, but Josh, I, that's the perfect, Josh, that's a perfect environment for a Cayenne. I wish you probably wish you still had I know, it. I know. I, mean, uh, I, I did, but uh, again, you know, the, the reason why I, I didn't keep it was my girlfriend still had like a year left on her lease. Right. Um, and it, we just didn't need two cars cause we were going to be traveling and it didn't make sense. And I was like, you know what? The, the last thing we need on a cross country road trip is a Cayenne with 167,000 miles at that true, point true. Yep. that, you know, you're going to be broken down in Kansas and there's not going to be someone who can fix it. Yeah. I didn't want to deal with that. Okay. So what happens next? So you, so using your girlfriend's car, you, you, you're in Utah. When does the yeah. next Porsche start coming into your mind? When do you start searching for something else? So, uh, 
this was, you know, last spring, spring, spring of 21. Um, you know, we figured out that we we're going to be moving to Seattle. I, I got a kind of job there. And, um, you know, uh, pretty much immediately, like when I knew that I was, you know, going to be working full time and not freelance, I was like, okay, like it's 9-11 time. This is happening. Uh, you know, prepared my girlfriend for that fact and, um, you know, started, started to look for cars. And, you know, this is probably April of, of 21. Um, and, you know, was specifically looking for a 996 because, you know, it was the only one that I, I could really afford. Um, and looked at three cars uh, before I got mine. And I, I can kind of go through details about each one. Yep. Uh, the, the first car was at Porsche of San Diego. Uh, it was a white uh, 99 Carrera 4 uh, with tan interior uh, and had like 55,000 miles on it. Um, and this was like, you know, at, at, at the time when 996 prices like were just about to pop. Like, yes. you know, so you could still regularly find them for like 20. And they were asking um, like thirty three for this car, wow. and uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was quite a bit. And it, you know, it did have, have low mileage. It was in great condition. It was white, which um, you know I think is a really special color. There weren't a lot of nine nine sixes in that color, and I think it looks really good in white. Why is that though? I always wonder that, and we've had that conversation before on, on the podcast. You know, the the white nine nine six Carrera. There really are very very few white nine nine six Carreras, no matter where in the world. It's very strange. It's very, yeah, very strange that no one specced it in white. And it's interesting what you said. You said that was a Carrera, that was a Carrera 4 that you saw. Carrera 4s used to be a little bit cheaper as well because people were still staying yeah. away. They were staying away from the yeah. 996, but they were also staying away from Carrera 4s because they wanted yep. Carrera 4S more than the Carrera 4, right? Yeah. And so it, it's funny that you're, you're saying this. Um, this was kind of my my pitch to the dealer. I was like, listen, man, like this is a really undesirable, like of all the undesirable yeah. 911s, like this is like the most undesirable yeah. one. Like it's white, it's got tan interior, <laughs> square four. Uh, you know, nobody wants this car. Nobody wants this car. Like th you want 33 grand for it, like you're crazy. And, you know, um, I made him a couple of offers, and, uh, or let me backtrack. I, I wanted to do a PPI in the car. So I, I find this amazing um, Porsche mechanic, independent Porsche mechanic in San Diego. Right. Uh, the kind, the kind of guy that you know charges like five hundred dollars for a PPI, uh, and they like take the oil sample out. They cut the filter, you know, they take the oil filter out. They cut the filter. They take mag magnets to it. They send the oil um, to a lab to test it for magnetism for like the IMS, like the, yes. the whole nine yards. Like they are doing everything you could ever imagine, um, and you know you're, you're paying for it. And the PPI comes back and. Um, I, again, I, I kind of forget like what it was. I think it was like spark plugs and like, you know, the little things you have to do when you buy a used car. Yes. Um, you know, the, the other couple little things that they said that, you know, I had to do were because the car had just sat and hadn't been driven. It only had, you know, 50,000 miles on it. Um, so it was like all of like the rubber bushings and plastic things and all of that kind of stuff needed to be replaced. And they drew up a bill or an estimate of like what it would cost. And, you know, they said to do everything, it would be like seven grand to do, you know, just what I would do to get the car started. And you could do the rest like in 12 months or whatever. Right. It would be like five grand. Um, so I went to the dealer and I literally showed them the PPI. And I was like, listen, like, I know, you know, you think it's kind of a unique car and it's low mileage and this and that. But like the reality is you want 33 grand for this car. And whoever buys it has to put another you know, seven grand into it in the first 12 months. Like, yes that's a lot of money for a 996. Like how much do you really want for the thing? And, um, the annoying thing to me was, you know, prior to doing the PPI, um, you know, I had like walked from the car cause the guy said, we want asking price. 
you know, we want 33, four, and that's what we expect to get. And I was like, you, you don't have any room. He was like 32, five. And I was like, okay, it's not the car for me. Like, see you later. Um, he then like the, the salesperson at the dealership texts me back and he was like, Hey, like if you want to do a PPI in the car and, um, you know, some things come back that, you know, we have to do either like we'll do them ourselves because, you know, they were a, a Porsche dealership or right. like we, we can find some room in the press. I was like, okay, great. I'd like to do the PPI then. Uh, I do the PPI, it comes back needing five to seven grand worth of work. And the guy's like, okay, we want 33 for the car. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. And I, I was not very cordial or, or nice to him yeah. because I was like, you just cost me $550 uh, and told me that, you know, you would kind of negotiate accordingly. I'm not looking to steal the car for 15 grand, but like, let's be, let's be reasonable here. Um, and had some words with the guy. Yeah. At least meet you halfway. At least meet you yeah, halfway. Well, at least take three grand off or something like that. Yeah. That's pretty bad actually. That's not good. Anything, it, it was, it was really kind of messed up, man. And like, I, you know, I told him, I was like, listen, like, like you said, meet, meet me halfway, like do some of the work yourselves, like do the motor mounts. And they're like, no, we, we won't do any work to the cars. Like you're a Porsche dealer. Like, don't you have those sitting around? Like it's like, come on. So I, I walked from that car, had some words with the guy. Uh, Cause you know, that left a really bad taste in my mouth. They sold the car literally the next day for full ass. Like someone really? walked in someone that I, cause I called the guy. I was like, Hey, like, do you still have it? Just curious. Like, I'm not going to buy the car from you. I'm just curious. And he was like, actually we sold the car. Like the day after we spoke, uh, guy came in and paid full ass. No PPI. I guess, I guess they just know there's going to be people out there that will go in and not do a PPI that will just, you know, go with yeah. their heart let their emotions take over and just buy the car without yeah. checking it. But like you said, yeah. they should have they should have let you know at the start that they weren't going to negotiate on the price if you're going to put in five hundred dollars to do a PPI. I mean, I yeah. think that's and, a bit a bit wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and look, like I had already walked from the car at that point. You know that that's what annoyed me. I was like, okay, like it's not for me. And they're like, okay. And then yeah, anyway, that was not not a great experience. And you know, I guess another cautionary tale for for your listeners. Okay, so, so that one didn't work out. What's the next one that comes along? Okay, so the next one, um, and again, uh, at this point, we're still in Park City, Utah, like moving to Seattle, like in 30 days from like this point when I'm looking at the, the next one. Yep. So the next one is uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, guy wanted like 27 grand for it. It was silver over black, career two, just totally base and basic. Right. Um, you know, point one, I, I wasn't really looking at the point twos. Um, and it's like, cool. The price is pretty, pretty right. Like maybe they can negotiate a little bit. And, you know, I made sure to ask him. I was like, hey, I want to do PPI in the car. Depending on what comes back, like, are you willing? Do you have some room? And he said, yeah, of course. Uh, cool. And I, I gave him the whole sob story of like the last, the last dealer <laughs> I that I spoke say, to. And, and he was like, oh. Word, yeah. Right. And he was like, oh, like, that's not right. We would never do that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, honestly, like, I want to speak to your sales manager, like, just to make sure. Because and I, I, I'm not trying to be a dick. I just want to make sure that like, I'm going to do this PPI and spend the, now this one was $300 that, yep. you know, if, if it comes back and needs some work that, you know, you're going to negotiate with me. Yes. And he said, yeah, of course, don't worry about it. Cool. So I find, I find this mechanic, um, and you know, they do the whole PPI and the last thing that they do is check the oil filter. Right. Um, and you know, I called the guy in the middle of like the day when he was looking at the car and he was like, almost like ecstatic. He was like, Oh, everything's going really well. Like there's nothing wrong. Like this is such a great car, blah, blah, blah. It's like, cool. Like, and did you do the oil filter yet? And he was like, no, that's the last. Like, okay. So that's the last thing he does. You know, like at the end of the day, and he calls me and he's just like, not good. Like, okay. What's going on? 
And he's like, uh, there is more metal in this filter than I have ever seen in any wow. 996 filter. Like, please do not buy this car. Uh, and honestly, you should tell the dealer uh, because, you know, and look, I don't know how these IMS bearings work. Maybe if you get another 50,000 miles out of the car, maybe the dealer, you know, goes to move the car and the thing explodes. Who knows? Right. Um, so, you know, at that point, I was like, well, this is this is not the one. Um, so what and, did the dealer say, Josh, when you told him that? Did he believe you? So, I, well, I called the dealer and I was like, hey, man, like, I got some bad news for you. Uh, you know, how much are you into the car for? Uh, I'm not buying it. How much are you into the car for? And he was like, well, I can't really tell you. That's fine. Uh, you should really replace the IMS bearing because it's like going to fail. Uh, and I showed him the photos and like sent him the PPI, you know, right. just because like I thought I was doing the right thing. Like I don't want someone to get screwed with this car. Yeah. And um, he was just like, ah, you know, sighed like, oh, that sucks. And, you know, I think he said he was going to, you know, replace the bearing and then, and then try and sell it. Um, so, but it's still yeah, got issues I, anyway, though, right? So it's still not, you know, you wouldn't buy that car. You wouldn't buy that 911. Uh, I, I personally wouldn't, but no. you know, um, I would, maybe someone will and, and enjoy it, but yeah. So that was the second one. So number two, uh, third we, time lucky. Okay. The third one, uh, at this point we are, we had moved to Seattle. This is like okay. a month later and I find this car in Portland, Oregon, three hours South of us. Great. Nice and close. Um, nice and close. I think it was black over black, no arrow kit, just square two, had like 70,000 miles. It was like perfect. You know, doesn't have so few miles where I got to worry about things or worry about the value or whatever, um, you know, and still enough where, um, you know, there's room. It's not like it doesn't have 150,000 miles uh, and it's black, you know, basic. Okay, cool. And um, speaking to the dealer and I think at this point I was so frustrated by, um, you know, not getting cars or, you know, cars not working out that like I was like, not even going to do PPI in this one. I told my girlfriend, I was like, and she, she knew of like the IMS PPI, like the whole like risk that I was, you know, getting into with buying this car. Um, so I think I told her at that point, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go down to Portland tomorrow and buy this car. If it's still there. You know, I'm going to fly down there, like whatever. And uh, I, I'm like talking to the salesperson. I was like, Hey man, like I'm going to come down tomorrow, give you full ask. Or I think they were asking like 26 and I was prepared to give them like 25 or whatever. Right. Um, and he was like, cool. Like, Let's do it. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm like looking at flights and I get a call from the guy and he said, Hey, someone just came in and bought a car for last. Wow. Like, oh, no, no, not again. So this is the third one. Third one. Uh, but this is, just go back to your, co- you know, the cost and al- you know, how you sort of justify costs. You know, you've, you've done two, two, yep. two PPIs. Yeah. And, and you made the choice on this third one because you've already, you know, wasted $800 or whatever it is, $700, $800. Yep. You think the next one, you're not going to do the PPI. But, in reality, though, Josh, you know, like you could have lost a hell of a lot more money if you would have bought the oh, other yeah. two. You know what I mean? So it's yep. still, I know it's dead money and it's lost money, but it still saves you more in the long run. You know what I mean? Oh, for um, sure. And, and, and I, I, I wasn't looking to forego the PPI on the third one because I was looking to save, you know, excuse me, $300. I was just like, let's just do this. I don't even want to do PPI anymore. Like, I just want the car. Like, it's available. It's in my backyard. Like, let's do this. Yep. And uh, that didn't happen. And these cars um, go quickly. We all know that, you know, yep. you know, people and, buy them from underneath you. So, okay. So yep. what happens next? So, uh, and again, this is June of 2021, like the height of when, at least in the States, the 996 market was going like crazy. Like, yes. You know, tons of cars being auctioned and they're all just going, you know, the values are going nuts. Um, so at that point I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to get a 996. Like this isn't the right time. 
uh, let me just go lease a Tesla Model 3 or, or you know, <laughs> get a Tesla Model 3, like something more sensible, like let's just give up on it. And for like two or three weeks, I'm looking at like the Alpha Julia, I'm looking at the Tesla, like whatever, you know, looking for something that's like still going to be fun, uh, but more practical. Um, and I, I just completely stopped looking for a 996. Um, and one day I'm just like, all right, let me just take a look at cars.com and I'm looking and I see this car. It's in Culver City, which is, you know, Los Angeles. Right. Uh, but the photos of the car do, do not look like it was in Culver City. It looked like it was in the forest. Um, and there were five photos. They were really terrible photos, blurry. <laughs> and I just see this, this blue arrow kit car with one interior photo. It was literally five photos. Okay. This is probably a scam because, you know, the car is 70,000 miles. Uh, it's listed on a number of different car websites. Right. Uh, and it was listed for like 20 grand. I was like, that is way okay. low for, you know, what 996s are going for right now, especially because it's a special color and arrow kit car. And I had seen, you know, Craigslist ads for like a guards red over tan arrow kit car with 40,000 miles and they only want 20 grand for it. And it's a scam, obviously. Right. So that's what I thought. I like, this is a scam. It's not real. Don't even pay it any mind. I didn't even like reach out to the guy. Um, so a couple days go by uh, and I'm looking again, just, you know, for fun. And I see the same car get posted for sale, same mileage, the same price, same everything, but now it's listed in Idaho. And I was like, oh, okay, it's definitely a scam. Like, this is exactly what these scammers do. They list it in one location, they get someone, they go to another, yes. and like, it, it's gotta be a scam. Um, so I forget about it, a couple days go by. Um, Greg, uh, a first flat six, posted about this car. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and I was like, you know, if Greg is posting about this car, it must be real because yes. I don't think he would, I think he would probably do his due diligence and you know, he, it's within his best interest to not post a scam. So it's gotta be real. It's like, all right, I'm going to reach out to this guy and see if it's real. And, uh, I email the guy and he's kind of being like, I don't really have a word to describe it other than just like kind of weird. It was just like strange. Right. Um, and like, wasn't being very responsive. And I asked him if I could do a PPI. He said, sure. And then never got back to me. And like, we're going back and forth like two weeks and he's like, not really getting back to me. Um, and it, it ends up being like, you know, two weeks later. And I just emailed him. I was like, Hey, like there's, um, a local mechanic in like right across the border in Washington from like 30 minutes from where he is in Idaho, who will do a PPI. They have availability tomorrow. Um, which I had to like sweet talk them into because, you know, this like one Porsche mechanic in Eastern Washington yeah. uh, was booked out. Like they were literally booked out three months and they were like, Oh, we're not doing PPIs until, you know, October. And I was like, dude, I can't, I can't ask this guy to wait until October to do so, a PPI. So, I, so why was he not being responsive? He just didn't really want to sell the car or he no, just didn't he have just, the time. What was it? I don't know. He just like, wasn't being responsive and I, 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 he, I like, I was just getting a weird vibe from him. Something was just kind of off. Um, and so I, I sent him like a last ditch email. I was like, Hey, these guys can, can do a PPI in the car tomorrow. Can you bring it to them? Never heard back the next day. I get a call from the mechanic. Hey, uh, he just brought the car and you still want us to do the PPI. Like guy never confirmed that he was going to bring it into really? me. Like I had, I had no idea. I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do okay. the PPI. Uh, so the, they do it. They go through everything. And the guy calls me back and he's like, there's no oil or there, there's no metal in the filter. Uh, it needs an alignment. Um, okay. And like, 
Have you seen like, any more photos since then? Or no. it's just the, the dodgy photos no. that he had up on nothing else? Okay. No. And so the next thing I was going to say is the, the mechanic said, you know, there's really nothing that wrong with it. You know, like it's going to need a couple of things like here and there, you know, the, the typical 996 fare, but the color. He was like, the color, I've never seen this color before on any Porsche. Um, it's like one of the most beautiful colors I've ever seen. Like you just, you have to come see it. Uh, and the paint's in, in really good condition. Uh, and it's ocean blue metallic uh, over um, gray interior with, with an aero kit. Um, and, you know, I didn't ask for more photos at that point. I just told him, uh, you know, can I speak to the seller? And I spoke to the seller. I said, hey, man, I'm coming tomorrow. I'm paying you full ask. Uh, can you pick me up at Spokane Airport at, you know, six in the morning or seven in the morning, whatever, I'm getting the first flight out. Like, I didn't want to give him a chance to like, think about it. Like whether he was not going to sell it or sell it to someone else. I was like, I'm showing up here literally first thing tomorrow. Can you pick me up and take me to a bank and I will give you a cashier's check. Uh, and he said, yeah, of course. Uh, and I went home, uh, booked a flight and okay. flew out the next morning. So you get off the plane, you see the car for the first time. How was it? As good as what you expected? So, okay, this is also, this is kind of funny and speaks to like how weird this guy was. Uh, I like texted him uh, that uh, I landed and I get an email from him. And like, that's kind of like what I mean. He's like, weird, like, you know, I have his number, but he's still emailing me. So he emails me, the eagle has landed to, you know, inform me that he got to the airport. Right. Um, And, you know, nothing wrong with that. Just, you know. Yeah, sense of humor. So, uh, yeah, exactly. So I, I walk out of the airport and, I see the car waiting and he's got the front open and he's got the, the rear deck lid open. Uh, and I just thought that was kind of funny. Uh, so I, I walk over to the car and um, it was kind of like a cloudy morning. So, you know, if you've ever seen you know a portion in this color um, when it's cloudy or like kind of flat, even light, it looks kind of just like a regular dark ocean, you know, kind of ocean indigo blue almost. Yes. Um, but then when you have like the early morning or, or like late afternoon, like really harsh, intense light, it looks like purple. And, you know, you get every variation of blue between like that purple and really deep blue. So when I first saw the car, it was, you know, kind of like a uniform color. And I was like, what was this guy talking about? Like, it's a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful color, but like, I didn't really, you know, get what he meant by like, you know, this is a really special color and, and a special, special kind of paint job. And, um, you know, so we, the seller and I. Or so you see it, you see it, you don't have any second thoughts. Obviously, you didn't have any second thoughts because you bought it. Um, like yep. you said, the color is fantastic. Ocean blue metallic is a really, is a really nice color. Um, you don't see that many of them. It's quite a rare color. So the aero kit that came on your car, was it a 996, was it the GT3 aero kit or was it an aero kit yep. 2, which has got the slightly different wing? No, so it's um, the 996.1 GT3 aero kit. Nice. Um, and you know, like the taco shell, the only thing it doesn't have, like sometimes on like the rear bumper, there are the, like, those little fins. Yes. Um, on some of the aero kit, early aero kit cars, um, which mine doesn't have, which I'm actually happy about because personally, I, I don't love them. And to me, they just look like they add weight. Yeah. Uh, so but is it a full aero kit, Josh? Has it got the front as well? It's full aero kit, yep. right? Not just yeah, yeah. full aero yep. kit. So it's got the side it's got the front, as well. Yep, and, and, and the, re- the rear taco spoiler. Nice. And what wheels did it come with? Because I haven't seen a picture of your car, I don't think. I don't think I saw it on your Instagram. Is there a picture on your car? I don't uh, remember seeing it. Has it got I don't what, think so. what wheels I'll, does I'll, it have? I'll send you some. So it's got turbo twists, um, and they're actually in really good condition too, so I have to recondition them, um, which I, you know, I love the look because it looks like the, you know, the 0.1 GT3 yeah. uh, essentially. 
And I, I mean, like the narrow body uh, 996.1 with an arrow kit car, like, you know, I, I know 996s are like, uh, you know, Porsche files don't really like them. Uh, I have, you know, a different opinion. And I think the point mm-hmm. ones with the air kit cars, to me, I, I, actually, I really think is one of the most beautiful 911s ever made. And, you know, one of the things that um, you know, I wanted to mention today is uh, every 911 that was designed before the 996 was modeled completely by hand and designed by hand. Every 911 that was made after the 996 was uh, I don't think it was clay model by hand. Maybe it was, but I know that every, like the 997 and every car that came after that was designed solely by computer. Right. The 996 was designed by hand and computer. And for me, like the, there's something about like the lines on the 996 that are just so special because like they almost look like liquid. Like every car that came before a little bit is a little more rigid. And every car that came after, again, to me, like it looks like, and this is not me hating on the 997 because they're, they're all beautiful cars, but it, there's a little more life in like the 996 design to mm, me. Like I, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's very weird now when we look back at it because the hate that the 996 had, you know, the, the headlights and just other parts of the 996 and the interior. And I had this conversation with someone yesterday, you know, that I'd never, you know, my wife's boss, you know, had a career of four. And right. not once in all the times I went in that car did I think the interior was below par. Always when I sat in that car, I thought the interior was just fantastic. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, you know, the headlight thing, I guess, you know, for me, the deeper I got into Porsche is like the more you sort of started seeing these comments about people hating on the headlights. But I never thought they were, were that bad. You know, yours, does yours have the amber front lights or, or is it still have no, the clear? No, it doesn't. Has the clear? It, it, it's clear and I don't have like the, the xenons, okay. um, which I like, I like when the lights are off. I like the look of the Xenons better because they look more modern. But when the lights are on, I just I like the uh, like the more yellow orangish glow. It just looks more classic to me. Yeah, um, I, I think that's the main issue that I have with my car because I've got the nine nine seven point one, as you know, right? Carrera mm-hmm. base Carrera, and I find the lights. And coming from an Audi beforehand that had Xenons, I find the lights very weak, very dim. You know what I mean? Especially I, on a dark road of a night, it's very dim. And I did yeah. buy replacement bulbs, and I was going to put them in. I never got around to it, which you can do. You can just replace the bulbs with something brighter, yeah. something newer. Um, so I will try those, I think, when I go back to Sydney. But I just want to go back to the error kit. You know, I think you're right. You know, I think, I think there was a lot of hate on the error kits, especially on 996s and 997s. But, you know, I think as well, now time's passed, I think that the error kit is seen now as something that was quite rare. Not everyone spec'd it out. Not yeah. everyone optioned it. Yeah. And now, you know, if you've got a rare color, you've got a manual, you've got an error kit, factory error kit, it is... It is. It makes your 996 more, you know, more unique. And I think that's, you know, especially in the color you've got, I think that's great. What were the other options it had, though, um, Josh? Were there any other options? Um, you know, I could take a picture of like the the Frank sticker that that actually has them listed. Um, I don't think so. Like, no limited slip differential. Right. Uh, I don't think they even made those on, on the 2000 cars. No, I think it's like pretty pretty base. I don't have a rear rear wiper, uh, which in Seattle uh, you know, is kind of problematic. <laughs> cool. But I don't drive Looks a car cool. in the rain anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I I think it was like pretty bare bones aside from that. But it's really it's the color combination in the arrow kit that for me, um, you know, really does it. And I mean, the, the rear end of like the the nine nine six point ones with the arrow kit is yeah. I, I really think my favorite rear end of, of any nine eleven. It's just you know That's it's like nice. svelte. You know the. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the narrow bodies just look so good, I think. Okay, so 
maybe you mentioned it, maybe I just didn't hear it. How many miles did it have? Your car? So I bought it with, uh, it was like 77,900. Okay, so it's pretty low, pretty low. So you got yeah. a good deal there, you got a good price. So you do the deal with this guy, you, you fly there, you meet up with him, he's a little bit odd, he's got a sense of humor. You give him the yeah. cash. How do you get the car back home? Do you drive it back home or do you truck it back home? Oh, I, I drove it. Um, so, you know, it's about a six hour drive from, from Spokane. Um, and, you know, you're driving through Eastern Washington in, in the middle of the summer, which, you know, is a, is a desert and, and very hot. Um, and, you know, I was a little bit concerned about, you know, like overheating or just, you know, I don't know, driving a 20 year old Porsche for the first time. I've never, and <laughs> let me also give the context. Like I, I had never driven. This is a your first 911 you've driven, right? Is this the no, very- so. I had I had driven my, my buddy in Los Angeles uh, has a beautiful ice cream metallic uh, eighty six uh, or eighty four I don't know uh, right it's one of the G body nine eleven and okay. I drove that nice. in, in L A traffic for about five minutes and um, was kind of terrified doing so because it was also <laughs> like the the day he he had bought the car uh, in Canada drove it back to L A like got to L A like two days prior and then I drove it. And, Okay. Yeah, so it was very new for him. <laughs> but the dream the dream for all of us, right? You pick up your first nine you pick up your nine eleven. Um I mean I pick I picked up my nine eleven and drove it, you know, through the inner city of Sydney back to where I live. And then eventually right. I went on a long drive and really got to feel the car and enjoy the the balance of the car and the and the noise of the car and just the whole experience. You pick up yep. your car, you get to enjoy it straight away, which I think is a really cool thing to do, right? Sure, it's a bit scary, it's your first nine eleven. But how was that that feeling when you were on the open road and 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 you're in this nine nine six? And it's yours. So um, it was like a mix between kind of being a little hesitant and, and scared and just being like the sweetest and, and, and you know, just most awesome, one of the most awesome experiences. Um, you know, on, on one hand, it was kind of scary because, you know, it's a six hour drive and kind of in the middle of nowhere and had anything happened, you know, you'd be a long toe away from, you know, a Porsche mechanic. Um, and you know, not worried about my well-being in that sense, more so just like the the whole ordeal of it. But you were by um, yourself, Josh. Sorry, you were by yourself. Yep, yeah, yeah, by myself. Okay. And you know, the other thing that I knew about this car was that uh, the rear tires were like bald, beyond bald. They look like racing slicks. All right. Um, so yeah. So and the car needed an, an alignment too. So you know, my first drive in the car, um, you know, having never driven a nine nine six before, I, I didn't really know how one was supposed to feel. Yeah. one yeah. and got in that car and you know i don't want to say i was i was disappointed i just i knew that there were things that needed to get sorted out for it to drive how it was supposed to you be. couldn't push um, it basically you couldn't push it not with exactly. like that yeah exactly um and and with the alignment um you know that needed to get done between that and the tires uh you know i i, I was driving pretty not like so cautiously where i was doing five under but you know yeah cautious all right um but it was it was you know it's a great drive it's a great yeah so you get back to seattle you know things have to be done do you do them straight away do you think okay obviously the tires you have to do straight away if you're going to drive it do you start yep. you take it to your specialist do you take it to porsche dealer what do you do and, and what do you decide to do first do you just get the, the necessities done so uh first was was tires um because i i really didn't want to drive it without you know proper alignment or, or, or tires um so i took it to porsche um of Bellevue, like the, the only Porsche dealership, like in the Seattle area. Okay. And, um, uh, so another interesting thing and kind of another, you know, cautionary tale for, uh, future 996 buyers. Um, I, I took the car in to get tires and then realized that, um, I didn't have the wheel lock key for which <laughs> okay. I, I'm, 
I, I didn't yeah. know what this was, you know, yeah. having never driven or owned a, a sports car before. Uh, and I assume they're mostly on, you know, sports cars. Um, but uh, so the, the key for my wheel locks, Porsche stopped making and I just had to get a new set. Um, but that was the first thing I did. I did tires and I'm glad I went to, you know, Porsche Belly because otherwise I would have had to go back to them anyway because I, I didn't have the key. Yeah. Um, so that was the first thing I did. Um, and then, you know, that, so that was like the first week I had the car. Then like the second week or third week or whatever, um, I, I took it to, you know, kind of the, the best indie Porsche mechanic in, in, in Seattle, um, Acres. I'll, I'll plug them for any Seattle listeners that are listening. They're, they're awesome. Um, and, you know, they did everything. So my car, you know, they went through the car and, and did everything that, that it needed. Um, so I did AOS, RMS, IMS, clutch, flywheel, wow. and I think that's it. Yeah, so that's I a pretty big it. bill, but you, oh, you, you and, but you got the car at a good price, right? So that's a pretty big bill with yes. tires as well. So you you must be over five grand already, right? Yeah. I, so the the other thing I did that I, that I forgot to mention, which was kind of an important thing, was uh, the transmission. Now that made a big difference. Okay. How the car you know handled and, and idled and just rode as well. Um, but yeah, and, and so that was kind of a kind of a big bill. But you know, I I got a good like you said, I got I, I got car for you know under what I thought it was worth. Uh, and, you know, I kind of knew, you know, and whenever I, I've bought a used car, I buy one with the, you know, the expectation that you're going to put three to five grand in it. Um, you know, I, I had to do a little more than, than I was expecting. Um, so it, it cost a, you know, a little more than that. I think, you know, with tires and everything, it was probably like seven to eight. Total. Seven or eight grand. Tire, you know, tires are expensive. But you, um, you, like you said, you took it to your, your independent, your specialist in, yep. in, in Seattle. And nothing else showed up, right? Everything was perfect, and now the car is sorted. Yeah, he said that uh, down the line I'm going to have to do a water pump, and there. Oh, he okay. said that brakes. He said brakes. Like I'll have to do any day, and the light still hasn't come on. And they told me like until the light comes on, you don't need to do brakes. Yeah. Like, don't do them. Um, so I'm still just waiting for that. Um, and you know, I'll probably do pads and rotors uh, yes. when that happens. Um, but yeah, that, that's you know, eventually water pump and. I, think that's kind of it josh that's when you know you've got a good independent when they tell you yeah they don't, they don't tell you to change the brakes the same as my independent in sydney Waterhouse hamilton yep. they said the same thing i thought i had to change it because i went to porsche sydney i've said this story before it had on their report it said brakes had to be changed pads and rotors and Waterhouse said don't do anything until the light comes on and that was four years ago so you know what i mean right like, so that's that i think that's a good sign of a good independent when they give you advice like that that's for sure not to change it now yeah. So and if, or go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say if, if uh, it hasn't been said already on, on the podcast, I'm sure it has. But you know, anyone who's owning you know one of these cars and is on any sort of budget, um, doing work at a dealer is you know not going to be friendly to that budget for the most part. Yeah. True. I mean, I think I think a lot of people who have bought a, a 911, a few people on owner stories, and other people I've spoken to on Instagram. A lot of people, when they first buy it, they'll take it to a Porsche dealer, right? They'll take it yep. there to get it on their system, to get them to check it first, and then they'll go back to their independent. Do you know what I mean? Just to get it sure. fully checked. And I know, you know, a friend in Sydney did the same thing um, just recently. And, you know, I, yeah. I guess that's that's okay to do that. But for regular maintenance, like you said, um, the difference between, you know, the, the service, a major service at a Porsche dealer or an independent yeah. is is a lot. And it's not just the cost of the service. It's... It's what they choose to do and what they choose not to do. And I think that's yep. where you sometimes forget. You forget about that side of it. You know what I mean? It's not just the, the, the cost on the, on the bill. 
Yeah. So what else, Josh? You've got your 911. Um, 996, you've got a great one, 996.1, the sought-after model at the moment. What have you? Uh, what have you got? Anything else planned you want to do with the car? And I always like to ask the question: Has it got a? Has it got an exhaust mod on the car? Is the, is the sound of it good, or do you want to play with that? Um, so, I mean, it sounds great just because you know it's a flat six engine and they just sound so good. But no, it, it has a stock exhaust, um, and that's kind of one of the you know that that is the next thing that I'm, that I'm going to do is an exhaust. I'm kind of debating what to do. Um, you know, obviously Fister is uh, you know high on the list. Um, I'm debating, you know, I, I haven't heard a 996 with, with a Fister, like in person, obviously right. like there are YouTube videos. Um, and I, I really would like to hear one in person before making that decision. But um, I, I don't know if, and, and this isn't a knock on Fister because, you know, uh, exhausts are so, you know, it's to your personal taste. Yes. Um, being that I don't drive the car all that often, I'm not sure if Fister is going to be loud enough for, for, uh, what I'm, I, I'm hoping to achieve, I guess. It's but, not that loud. No, um, Vista's not that loud. It's quite soft. I mean, it's it's enough, I, but it is it isn't you know yeah. it isn't it isn't GT3 loud. I mean, and a lot of yeah, people and, actually, but a lot of people pick Fab Speed, don't they? I've noticed that that's a trend for the yeah. 996. A lot of people go with the Fab Speed exhaust, so there must be some benefits yep. there with the Fab Speed. I'm guessing it's louder. And you know, I, I guess I think the last owner stories that uh, you put out that I I listened to, you were talking about the Gundo hack and how. Um, in your experience, it's been louder than, than any Fisters yeah, you've heard. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, you know, got me thinking that, you know, maybe I want to do that instead of a Fister. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure yet. I kind of want to, you know, hear them in person before I make that decision because, yeah. you know, it, it's yeah. not a lot of money, but it's, you know, I well, want to make the right decision, right? It's not super cheap now. The Fisters have gone up in price quite a bit. So they're not super cheap. I noticed the other day they're quite expensive, more expensive than I oh, paid. Okay. But, you know, the Gundo, I don't know if that's true or not. I just remember reading it, I think, on Renlist. Sure. People said that Gundo is much, much louder. Um, I think it's good to look into other options, though, as well. Fab speed. I don't know what about sole performance. I know a lot of people do sole performance exhausts. I find them the tone of them a little bit wrong for me. I don't like the tone of yeah. the, the sole performance. Um, but like you said, it is hard when you buy an exhaust, and this is the same problem we, we all go through, I went through as well, is that YouTube, you just can't hear it properly. No, no one can record it properly. It doesn't sound the same. It never sounds the same you know, in real life. So that's the problem. You really do need to meet up with a, a Porsche event where someone's got it and someone, and you know, you can actually hear it in real life for sure. Yeah. But I, I think the easy, uh, you know, answer and kind of default answer for, for a lot of people is, you know, do a Fister. Um, so, you know, that, that's definitely, uh, you know, on my yeah. And they're and a good I, product. they are a good product. They are a good product, yeah. especially if you get the, the, the syrup, the ceramic coating on them, you know, that reduces some of the heat yep. and, and stuff like that. Obviously that's more expensive, but I mean, I'm happy sure. with mine. I mean, like I said, I didn't want anything too droning in the cabin. I didn't want the sound to be that yeah. bad in the cabin. You have the windows down a bit. You can hear it. It's good at idle. It's good when you take off. It's good when you're in, in, you know, third gear around the twisties. It actually sounds very, very good. So. <clears throat> that's cool. I, I mean, I'm very happy with mine. I, I wouldn't, you know, I would say if you just want something that's medium range, I think the Fister is a good one. If you want something louder, yeah. you want a more racy tone. Um, obviously, the Fister is not going to be correct. Yeah. I, I, well, we'll we'll see. I'll, I'll I'll follow up with you and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, so. yeah. Tell me what you end up with. Um, so you stop looking then. That's it. You're not looking at Porsches anymore. You're happy with this one. <laughs> you're not still looking because um, I know this. I'm going back to the off road trend, and I know you know you're in Seattle. Are you tempted to look at those Cayans again and see if you can get a, a cheap one to go alongside the 996? So, um, you know, it, it's funny that, you know, you ask. So 
you know, I'm not really driving my 996 right now because okay. it's been raining, you know, pretty much every day for the last, you know, month and a half. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm on summer tires, Michelin Sport, uh, you know, PS2s. Okay. Um, Good. And, uh, you know, when it's 40 degrees and raining, I just don't want to drive the car. Um, so I'm really only taking it out nowadays when, when, when it's sunny. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of eventually need and, and want uh, a car that I can daily all year round here. Um, and you know, my, my girlfriend now has, uh, her lease ended. So she, she has a, a grand Cherokee, uh, a new one that she's leasing, uh, right. which is a great car. You know, it's not as, as fun as a Cayenne, but you know, a, a real workhorse and we'll, we'll do really well for us here. Um, so you know, eventually when I'm ready to buy a daily car that I can drive you around here, um, you know, it doesn't have to be something with, with high ground clearance, uh, because we have, we have her car. Right. So, you know, I, I've whittled down, uh, what my, my daily car will be. Uh, I've whittled it down to, to two cars. Right. Um, and the, the first option is another 996, but get a career four. Okay. And the, the, the dream would be, you know, a point one career four, yep. um, lift it and put all terrain tires on it. Safari Yep. And there's a YouTube video that uh, I recently discovered. It's, it was filmed like when 996s were new and Russia right. did this like desert experience where they took 996 career fours, oh, really? you know, point ones out. Yeah. I, I got to send it to you. They're, and they're they put off-road tires on it. Did they? Yes. Yes. And it, it, it's what, with standard rims video. or different rims? Standard rims, and really? I think they have like an I'll inch send that to me. I'd like to see that. I gotta send it. To, it's so funny because you see like the rear end of the car, you know, the engine hanging <laughs> off the back, and they're like just beating the hell out of them. And the drivers are like, "Oh, these cars are amazing because they're so stiff, they're so yeah. good off roading." And I'm just like, you know, I was watching this video. I'm like, I don't believe what I'm seeing. Like, I haven't seen that one. Car, I'd like to see the car. That. Did I've you see? Needed is, yeah. Did you see that 997 though? The one on Ring a Trailer that I, I don't know if you yeah. did. You see that I one did, that I, sold? I think that guy's in Washington too. Is he? Um, I think he is, but, um, yeah, I, I saw that and that, that's an awesome car. Like he I put just, a lot of I money just, into it. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if I get it. I mean, I think I'd rather get the Cayenne and do it to the Cayenne, but I, I mean, he definitely put a lot of parts and it sold, it sold at a good price, didn't it? It sold yeah. at like 80,000 or something, 80,000 odd for a career. Yeah. Wow. So wow, it's a lot. lot. Uh, but, um, you know, so since my, my, my girlfriend has, you know, the, the SUV, the, the Grand Cherokee, um, you know, that I was thinking either, you know, get another 996 and just have dueling 996s. And that would kind of be hilarious, uh, especially if one of them was like lowered at an air kit and the other one was lifted and, you know, for off-roading. Um, but you know, the other car that, um, I think would be a great pair for, you know, my situation and my needs that I've always loved ever since this car was new, uh, is the Audi B7, uh, RS4. Uh, I just love that car. And yeah, that's a good car. Uh, and they're cheap. And, you know, they're cheap now. Well, they're cheap. I don't know about in the US. In Australia, they've they've gone down in price quite a lot. How much are they by you? Oh, and I'm going to take a wild guess here. I think you can get a high mileage one for about sixty thousand Australian. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, so that's about say, forty. What's that? Fifty. Forty-five thousand US, maybe. No. So there. I mean, one on cars and bids just went for twenty-seven five. I think oh, and had cheap. only like eighty thousand miles. Um, and mm-hmm. I wish I had the money to do it right now because I would have been on that car. Yeah, they're, but, uh, they're a good car. They're a really good car. I mean, I had the I had an Audi A4 S line, which wasn't the you know the yep. S4, and that was a great car. I had the Avant, um, the wagon. Um, awesome. And that was a great car. But I've always, I always still keep looking at, you know, the very first generation RS4, Josh. I don't know if it yep. was available in the US. I'm not sure if it was available to you guys. But the very, very nope. first generation, the B5. 
Um, I always look at those. They don't come up very often. There's not that many in Australia, but that's that's still a very iconic, very very cool car. Um, a car I think yeah. that will go up in value a lot. But no, that that's a that's a good choice alongside your um, 996. That's for sure. I thought I thought so, and I, I just I love that car. You know, it's got the V8 out of the yeah, Gallardo, super fast, um, and it's super fast and all-wheel drive and all-wheel uh, drive, good torque. Yeah, yep, super understated styling. Like it's just it. You know, there are cars of, of that running era. costs though. Running costs. Audis are a bit. You know, I always say this. They're, oh, I'm sure. always, they're a bit more expensive, I think, than Porsche. To be honest, but I'm sure. Know. Um, you know, and it, it's funny that I, I'm even saying this because you know, uh, my mom had. Uh, she leased uh, like a 2006 Audi A6, you know, okay. when it was new, and that car was at the dealership once a week for electronic issues and just like little things, like the windows would stop working, the rolling locks would stop working, the turn signal would stop working, like everything on that car went wrong. Uh, and ever since that was uh, my parents, you know, first and last Audi, and ever since then I've kind of been scared of of getting one. But there are a few models that you know I yeah. think are, are I mean- great. Mine was a B6, and honestly, th- things like that didn't happen. It was more maintenance things, maintenance yeah. things that would yeah, yeah. seem to wear out quicker than they should for a car that only had a hundred and sure. in the end, one hundred and ten thousand kilometers on it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so that that I think that's something you have to watch out for for the uh, Audis. That's for sure. Hey, Josh, right. we're almost at the end of the podcast. Um, I think you've given the listeners a really good um, insight into nine nine sixes today, and I think you've given them a good insight into you know how to find, you know, the, the trials of, or the fun, I guess you call it fun, the fun of finding your first 911. Um, you don't always, fun. yeah, and you don't always get the first one you see, right? Um, you do yeah. the PPIs, they don't always turn out, but eventually you will find it if you uh, if you really want one. So you got your 996, you got the error kit. I was going to ask you actually, before we get into your favorite drive, I was going to ask you, are you tempted to put the GT3 seats in your 996 because you've got the error kit? You know, I don't actually know what the .1 GT3 seats look like. Are they like the sport back seats? Yeah, the rounded, the rounded race seat. I think they're they're not pole positions, are they? I think they're made by Recaro. Um, the race okay. seats, like the like like a bucket seat, like the lightweight bucket in yep. the GT3, the new ones, but they're. I don't know how to explain them. More rounded. Search it online. You'll see that they come up. I know some sure. people have put them in their um, in their 996. Um, few people have done yeah. it. I mean, they're not cheap yeah, yeah, though. Yeah. They're not cheap. No, I'm, I'm sure you know it's probably two grand a seat, if not more. But um, yeah, you, you know, the seats in, in the 996 are comfortable. I, yeah. I do wish there was like a little more bolstering on, on like the stock seats. Um, I think if I were going to do seats in my car, I, I mean, it doesn't really work with like the gray interior, but I do love oh, that's right, know, gray. Like hmm. the, the Pepita seats. So you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably just keep the seats. Yeah, I think so too. You know, and you know the other thing that you've always asked nine nine six owners about is you know the the, uh, the Porsche the DIN unit whatever they call it the yes CarPlay yes um, you're gonna get the new one it, no you know it's so funny um, <laughs> before I bought the nine nine six I was like oh gotta do it budgeting yeah. for it that's great and then I called Porsche and they were like oh yeah it's gonna be like four grand even though the unit is only eighteen hundred dollars I was like no. Absolutely not. Not yeah, the doing fitment that. cost is really expensive. A lot of people have said that. Crazy. Fitment, yeah, because they've got to take out the whole air conditioning vents and something as well. I don't know why it's so expensive. I wonder if you get an independent, if you can just buy, I, I guess they won't sell it to you separately, will they? And just get an independent yeah. to fit it. Surely it doesn't cost that much. That's so I think Suncoast, Suncoast sells them, I'm pretty sure. But, um, you know, my independent Porsche mechanic won't do that because that's you know that's like a radio thing he, yeah you, know, you have to go to like a radio shop for yeah that, so it would just be something different i you know i wouldn't trust just any radio shop doing doing that in my car and um you know but yeah and i i realized after you know the first two days of having the car i was like i never want to listen to music in this car i've never turned the radio on 
other than just to test it. And, you know, partially because I, I'm, you know, I haven't driven uh, a manual in, in so long, yeah. you know, uh, as a daily car, uh, you know, I kind of feel that I need to have the radio off just uh, for, you know, my own, you know, abilities yeah, to, to uh, drive the car smooth. I'm but, the same. I like um, to hear, you like to hear the car, don't you? You like to hear the 911. Yeah. Um, I never yeah, have the radio sure. on. I never put it on. I never use the navigate. Obviously, the navigate my navigation in my nine nine seven works because I updated the maps when I first got it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> that's got, awesome. <laughs> I updated the maps only because I found a guy who was in um, northern uh, in Queensland in, in Australia. Right. Who, I think he pirated the the maps. They weren't legit, but they were very cheap <laughs> and they were real. They cool, worked though. and everything, so you could update it to the latest version. But bear in mind, the latest version. And I don't know whether this has changed. Someone might correct me on it. The latest version when I bought my car in 2017 was 20, 2014 or 2015. That was the latest right. version. And I think right, I right. checked recently and it's still the same. So they have never updated the map. So right, they're, I'm they're, sure. not, they're not very precise, that's for sure. Um, Josh, almost run out of time. So let, we always like to finish the podcast on favorite roads. You're in Seattle. You're in sure. a good place of the world. You, you drove your 911 uh, back to Seattle. What are some of your favorite roads that if someone's in the region and, and they want to take their car, their sports car, their 911 for a drive, what roads would you um, say definitely you should uh, not miss? Yeah, so um, I wish I could give you like some really awesome answers here, but since I'm I'm still new to the area, um, I'm still like kind of figuring out, which you is on the you know, part of the fun. Um, no, I, I can definitely give you some some good answers. So um, another guy that you know I guess is in a book. Uh, it's this website called Dan's Drives. If you just Google it, like Dan's Drives, it'll come up. Um, and he's like a local Washington, Seattle, Pacific Northwest kind of guy. And, right. um, he puts together like these route maps for like good, you know, enthusiast drives. Um, so that has been kind of a nice introduction and easy way for me to, you know, discover good drives. And he's got them by like multi-day, by single day. Oh, and, really? you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a cool way to do it. Fantastic. Um, so if you, yeah, if you if you ever happen to visit, it's, you know, it'd be a, a good way to get some good drives. Um, but so the, I, I have like one drive that I do when it's nice out um, and I want to stay kind of local. Um, I don't really know the name of the road. I just know the end point. It's like this, this hotel kind of lodge called like the Salish Lodge. Right. And you just drive there and the roads around there are just awesome back roads. Um, and they're super fun and, you know, twisty and, um, you know, usually not too, too heavily trafficked and it's super fun. But um yeah, the, the good thing about living in Washington is there's so many mountain roads. So many mountain roads. roads. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you're in the best place and, for it. Yeah, so next summer I will, I will have lots of fun uh, exploring all of them. Like, I, I, there's uh, Hurricane Ridge, like, you know, for the listeners, I guess, you know, Hurricane Ridge in Olympic National Forest um, is supposed to be, like, one of the best, and that's that's on the list. And then uh, there's, like, a loop through, like, North Cascades National Park, which is, like, all mountains. And, I mean, it's literally, like, 14 hours of, like, just on mountain passes through like you know they, they look like like the swiss alps almost well you know next summer you can put the uh all road tires on your car put the roof box on the roof and just yeah. and just go exploring yeah exactly <laughs> so um fantastic josh it's been great chatting uh thanks for coming on owner stories today we always i always like to keep these to an hour like i always say we've gone to about an hour and 20 today that's fine um is there anything like to you, uh, you would like to share with the listeners before we go uh, no, you know, well, first of all, thank, thanks so much for having me. And, um, you know, I, the thing I would say to, you know, your listeners is um, the car buying process, especially now, is like, it's always been a frustrating and kind of terrible experience, especially now with the way, you know, the, way the car market is. And just trying to kind of keep that, you know, in 
in your perspective when you're, you know, you're looking for a 996 or, or a 911? Because, you know, um, in some ways finding the, the right, you know, Porsche can be a lot easier because the search is so much smaller, but in a lot of ways that makes it harder. So, you know, just be patient and let, let the right car find you um, and drive it once you find it. Fantastic. Josh, do you want me to share your Instagram to the listeners or not? Uh, well, I, so I have one for like my car that I rarely ever use. Why don't you share that one? Cause it actually has photos of my car. Okay. Um, and it's, uh, ocean blau arrow. So I'll here, I can like, it's spelled the German way. So I could just, I'll text it to you. That's right. Text it to me. I'll put it in the description of the podcast. I'll put it in the description cool. of the podcast. So all the listeners go over to Josh's um, Instagram, give him a follow. Hopefully you'll put some more photos up before uh, you guys get there and you can see, see his car. Um, Josh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's uh, Josh coming in from uh, the US from Seattle uh, with his 2000 996 Porsche 911. Very special with the Aero kit and even more special, it's an ocean blue metallic manual. Um, And that's about it. Thanks for listening to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Bye for now. (laughs) 